Part 4. Angels with Guns Chapter 27. March 1994. Age 39. Hey, Ma, you want your coffee on the patio? Robert yelled from the kitchen as he filled a single cup of the brew from the carafe. As far back as Robert could remember, his mother always drank coffee, something for which he acquired a taste only after serving time in prison. He made it the way his mother liked it, sugar with enough cream to make it caramel-colored. A few days after the blowout with Lauren, she contacted Robert, who had been on a constant high. The call wasn't one of reconciliation. She informed him that his father's health was declining rapidly. Lung cancer, coupled with emphysema, was bringing him to the end of his life, and Lauren recommended Robert go to Florida to visit him one last time. Robert's mother sent him money for the plane ticket to Florida, but he ended up using the money to purchase drugs. Instead of saying his final goodbye to his father, he chose to stay in New York and get high. His father passed a few days later in September. The funeral was held in New York. On the verge of crashing, Robert made a huge scene with manipulative weeping, hoping to draw sympathy for his supposed loss and thereby generate some generous donations to his drug fund. The next day, while the family was eating at a restaurant, Robert blacked out. His face ended up in his plate of meatloaf, green beans, and mashed potatoes. His binge continued, inducing periods of sleep deprivation that lasted for weeks. He was arrested a couple of times in the following months, once on Halloween and another in the early part of February of 1994. Both times he was arrested for possession of crack. Even though he danced freely with his addiction, his sobered thoughts focused on Lauren and Brianna. He missed them and wished to be a part of their lives. But his lust for crack was extremely powerful. He knew he had to make a life change to kick it. With them in mind, he took advantage of an offer to fly down to Coral Springs, Florida and live with his mother, now widowed for almost half a year. She moved there years prior to honor a promise she made to her dying granddaughter, Lisa. Ever since she was a baby, Lisa suffered from a heart condition that caused many other medical problems. At age 18, Lisa passed away, but not before Robert's mother promised her granddaughter she would take care of Betty, who had multiple sclerosis. They rented the condominium owned by Betty and her husband, who then bought a nearby villa. The condo was small but accommodating. The front door opened into a short hallway. On the left was a bedroom and bath. On the right was a good-sized kitchen. At the end of the hallway was a living-slash-dining-room combo that opened up to a small patch of concrete used as a patio. The community swimming pool was accessible through the backyard. Just off of the living room was the master bedroom from where Robert's mother emerged, tying the sash on her cotton housecoat. Why would I want to go out there, just so I can get all clammy? I'll take it in here, she said as she sat down at the dining table, one of the few pieces of furniture she brought from New York. It had been in her family since her grandmother purchased it from Sears and Roebuck when she was a little girl. Robert sat the doctored cup of coffee in front of his mother. There you go. He pulled out a chair across from her, sat the glass of orange juice he poured for himself on the table, and sat down. The old oak chair creaked. I just stepped out, he said. I didn't notice a lot of humidity. You're going to hate it here, his mother said, ignoring his remark. She took her first sip of coffee. 
They all brag about how good the weather is here. But I'm telling you, the humidity is just too much, she said, her accent chiseled by a Brooklynite heritage. And every day at four o'clock, you'd better have an umbrella because without a doubt, it's going to rain. You can count on it. I'll keep that in mind just in case I need to set my watch, Robert said with a chuckle. You laugh, but try being a 66-year-old woman walking a half mile home from work in the pouring rain. Ma, you could take a taxi. To drive me half a mile? That's silly and expensive. Robert took a big gulp of his orange juice. Ma, I think you're missing New York. She sighed and then gave a little nod. I never wanted to come here. I left all my friends, the rest of my family. But your sister needs me, so she sipped her coffee to fight off the sadness. You going in for that job interview today, right? Yeah, at 11. Good. Get a good job. Keep your nose clean. That's what you need to do. Stay away from drugs and the gambling. Those two things got you into this mess you're in right now. You're right, Ma. That's why I'm here. That baby needs you. She needs her father. And those drugs are keeping you from doing just that. Robert examined his finger where he had just clipped off a hangnail with his teeth. I know, Ma. You're not a boy anymore. You're a family man now. You need to act like one. All that life will get you is more prison time or an early death. Robert looked up from his bleeding finger and studied the face of the woman that stood in the gap for him for many years. Her hair was noticeably gray and reflected the fact that it had been a while since she had pampered herself at a salon. Her face was wrinkled more prominently under her cheeks than her mouth, but Robert could see the fire still burned in her eyes, despite a pronounced weariness. He smiled at her. You're very wise, Ma. He kissed her on the forehead as he took his empty glass to the kitchen sink.